Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We're excited to have you here for another episode. We got a lot to go through today. So, Nate, any thoughts before we jump in? I forgot to floss this morning. Well, thanks for that thought, Nate. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna jump in. We're gonna get crackalacking. Welcome to Spammer Jam. This is the time that we pick three songs, three top forty songs, just pop songs or or songs that are in the top forty, and we discuss whether they are spam. They're just awful and you never want to listen to them again and you want to tell your friends to never listen to them and unfriend people that listen to them basically all encompassing that spam or if they're jam that you like them maybe it's a guilty pleasure maybe you make friends because they listen to that and maybe it's a song that secretly again you never tell anyone that you like but inside you just know it's a jam good so we're going to discuss spammer jam we got three songs here it is going to be a fun spammer jam the first song is old town road by lil nas x featuring billy ray cyrus i hope i said that name correct but at the same time i don't care if i said it correct so nate is this spam or is it a jam so first off i'm gonna say the song is hilarious it's uh really catchy and it's almost like a meme. But I'm going to say it's a jam, not just because it's catchy and hilarious, but I think it's really cool because it creates some crossover with genres. And I hope that some assumptions or expectations or standards for music genres can hopefully be changed or at least just rethought through with a track like this. And I think this was obviously an interesting thing with the whole Billboard stuff, but I really like it. And I'm glad Billy Ray just like brought his his stuff to it and supported little Nas X and or Lil Nas X in this way. So what about you, Andrew? What are your thoughts? Well, apparently I just don't care if people change up the formula because I'm going to say spam. I, the one thing that I respect about it is is the the mix of kind of rap hip hop with with country. However, I just think this song, what you kind of pointed out first time I heard it, I thought that it was just like a parody of an actual song and then i realized that that was the actual song and the music police are coming for you they hate (laughs) they hate your take they hate me oh man but yeah i just every time i hear the song it's just like it feels like spam to me because it's so just catchy but like in a bad way that it gets stuck in your head and you hate it versus other songs that get stuck in your head and you're like oh this is cool like I legitimately if someone starts singing the song I literally just like walk away because I I'm can't. so tempted right now hey it's up to you I'll leave it in the podcast man so if you want to sing it it'll be stuck in everyone's head but yeah I just think this song is spam so maybe I'm just feeling extra mean today all right We're going to move on to our second song. Our second song is If I Can't Have You by Shawn Mendes. Nate, is this spam or jam? So I'm going to say spam. It kind of sounds like a Jess Glynn cover. Do you know Jess Glynn? I don't. Okay. So she's like this like 80s 
funk pop. I don't, I'm really bad with genre names, but I mean, just really old school, unique type of pop, which I really like. And so again, that's how it's not bad that he's kind of taking that, adopting that style. I think it's really catchy, the chorus, but I just feel like it's lacking a really good bridge to break up the song from being solely reliant upon the chorus. I just feel like it's a one trick pony kind of building off that old town road Mm -hmm. stuff, but it's just like, it's just lacking a little bit. Like it's not terrible, but it's just lacking for me. What about you? That makes me feel a little better because I wasn't sure if I was being overly critical or mean, but I also think it's spam. There's just nothing about the song that's really unique. I agree with the one trick pony idea, especially building off of old town road. That is obviously very funny but i really laugh hard i laughed so hard (laughs) but the mic actually just like peaked and i had to cut it out yeah oh okay yeah yeah. Yeah, i'm sure that's what happens yeah Yeah. totally but yeah i just think in general it doesn't do anything new and it's not great i think sean mendez is extremely talented and like i like his voice i feel like he's done this song or like bits of this song before already And so it wasn't really anything different or cool or new that he did. So, yeah, it's spam. All right, we're going to go to our final song. It's the song Me by Taylor Swift featuring Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco. Nate, is this a spam or is it jam? So I'm not going to give you my specific spam or jam opinion. I'm just going to let you know my thoughts and you'll figure out whether I think it's uh, spam or jam. So I'm not a Taylor Swift hater like many people are. I got into her in high school. I think she's a really good songwriter, even in college or it might have been right after college. I forget. But 1989, great album. I mean, she's produced some really great music and written great songs. This song sucks and it sucks so much. There's not a single thing I like about this song and not even Brendan Uri or Yuri or Urin, whatever his name is. I don't like the chorus. I hate the bridge, but most of all the lyrics, Ugh, gross. She lists so many of her bad traits like she always does. And then instead of saying, I want to be better, I want to grow as a person, she goes, I promise you'll never find anyone else like me. You know what I would say in return? Great, Taylor. (laughs) Great. I won't find anybody else like you. That's awesome. The irony of this individuality. You know who else? There isn't anyone else like my new girlfriend who isn't crazy. (laughs) But Taylor uses this theme of individuality to justify everything she does and it is terribly dysfunctional it's a terribly dysfunctional way to live and treat others yes i'm being overly judgmental right now am i being two-faced probably i mean i wouldn't encourage the message of the lyrics of old town road and even if i can't have you by sean mendez is unquestionably obsessive and kind of creepy but i don't know why i'm jumping on tay tay here but regardless the song is terrible spam 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 <laughs> wow. I wish we had like a studio audience that could just clap for you because that was excellent. Or riot. Or riot. I think well what I love is picturing so like for the most part we do this podcast where we just kind of give you our internal thoughts right there. But like Nate took the time to like poetically rip Taylor a new one and I love it. And I just imagine that Nate's listening to the song and like fuming like his face is red and he's just yep. typing so fast that his keyboard starts smoking. <laughs> so like, like the pieces of my keys are starting to pop off yeah. and I need 
put them back into place. Yeah, exactly. But I really appreciate that. Okay, I'm going to go spam too. First, because... I went jam. You no, went I'm jam? Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Nate Sorry. Loves the Song is is what I got out of it. But yeah, I'm going to go spam too. First, because I really don't want Nate to murder me, and I'm actually afraid of what it would do for our podcast, but more just my life. If I go jam, I'm going to go spam. I didn't like the song that much at first, and it's grown on me a little bit, but the more I still think about it, I still think it's spam. Things that I appreciate about the song. I will give a couple things that I appreciate about the song. First, Taylor Swift's reputation. Her last album was awful, and I hate it, and it's terrible. And I feel like it was just way too, like, sassy and, like, angry for Taylor Swift. I feel like it just didn't feel natural now if that's what she's going through i always appreciate someone being honest i just didn't like it i didn't feel like she did that very well and so i appreciate that this is kind of her way of trying to return to like old taylor swift a little bit more fun and lighthearted. i do like brendan yuri's voice a lot and so he does redeem it a little bit for me but in general the bridge sounds like like when they're when they're gonna start like when they say spelling is fun and that i turned to my wife amy and was like is this gonna be at the end of like trolls 2 or something like (laughs) the song actually feels like it should be at the end of some kid movie or something the only thing that i appreciate is the idea of there's no one like me so i feel like how other people can take that for themselves is really good but nate nailed it on on the head which is it's probably good if there's not that many people like taylor swift in a relationship (laughs) that would be for the best so so i'm going spam i went all three spam i'm feeling really i'm just so angry here today the clean sweep i don't know if i've done a clean sweep any which way and the first way is just all spam so so nate's got to find some jams for next time that's that's what he's got to do All right, well, let us know your thoughts. We have all these songs posted as a Twitter poll, so go and vote for those right now. Make sure that you check out all these songs. If you don't know them, let us know if you think that we're wrong. We probably are. I'm sure there are people that feel very strongly about all three of these songs opposite from what we said. So please tell us why we're wrong, what we missed, and tell us your thoughts. Welcome to Top 3, where we share our top three albums or artists or songs or whatever of any specific category that we're given for the podcast. For this podcast, we have top three debut albums. And so we're going to give you a list of our top three, and they're going to be all incredible albums that you have to like. And if you don't, we will block you from listening to our podcast (laughs) through the interwebs. Okay, Andrew, would you like to give your... I think we both have honorable mentions. So would you like to give your first honorable mention? So my honorable mention is the album Don't You Fake It by the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. This is a actually great debut album. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but this is high school Andrew all over again. Also, like 27-year-old Andrew also likes this album, so it's still a good album. And fun little fact for you guys, 
our friends in Valley Heart are going on tour with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus Woo! in July. So please check that out. They're actually coming to Philly, and so I'm going to try and make it to that show as and well. And Wolves at the Gate is going to be at the on gate. that Guys, tour, which is pretty cool. It's going to be a really good tour. Like, all of those bands, it's going to be really good. And so it will be fun. I'm assuming I will be there, and it will be very fun to see some of these songs from Don't You Fake It, because I'm assuming that that's like... That they're still playing at least at least the jams from the album, but that album was so good. So check it out. Uh, that's my honorable mention. I'm gonna then go into my number three. So my number three debut album is the album Fallen by the band Evanescence. So I'm really Ooh. going back to high school, Andrew. But this album, what it did for me as a high school student was a lot it was so cool and it might have even been before high school i'm trying to remember age actually it probably was more like middle school but it's so good it's a great album and i still really like it it thrust them onto the scene so fast as a debut album and made me realize that like a woman could sing really dark mysterious operatic rock really well and that was really cool. And I feel like that spawned a lot of kind of copycats, but really no one did it as good as Evanescence did, especially with that first album. That first album is dope, and I still listen to it occasionally. And if it goes too long that I don't listen to it, I'm like, man, I should listen to that again because I love it. So it's a great debut album. Nate, what is your honorable mention and your third debut album? So I picked my honorable mention less as a plug for Valley Heart, which was very uh, wisely uh, done of you, Andrew. It was just because I had a hard time deciding. This podcast is sponsored by Valley Heart. So Kevin, (laughs) pay us money. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. So my honorable mention is the album Becoming Who We Are by King's Kaleidoscope. King's Kaleidoscope great band and their debut album was a mixture of songs they wrote themselves as well as old hymns that they totally reinvented and had unique arrangements their band is huge they have so many different instruments i guess the word i would use to describe this album is it's flourishing and that's definitely seen through the album art which is very beautiful and it has lots of different flowers and leaves and stuff but anyways just great album And then my third is the album Ledges by Noah Gunderson. He's a singer-songwriter, kind of Americana, and this album is just incredible. It has this great combination of religious-themed lyrics with just real open and honest, almost biographical songs and It's just so heartfelt and so intimate and so emotional. And it's one of the best singer-songwriter albums that I've ever heard. And I love it so much. So, Andrew, what's your second? Again, keeping with the theme of high school rock, whatever that theme is that I kind of have going. It's the album Hybrid Theory by the band Linkin Park. And I will fight anyone who's a (laughs) hater on Linkin Park because they're still one of my favorite bands. Obviously, R.I.P. Chester. But, like, I still listen to Linkin Park, anything that they put out, I still listen to. And Loop, I love Mike Shinoda. Kind of his his solo stuff is so good as well. And so I'm just, like, 
a huge, huge fan of Linkin Park. And this was one of the highest selling debut albums by a band like of all time. It's still like a thing. Check it out. And it launched like so many copycats and and merged two styles like we were talking about. But I think they did it successfully. They merged the hip hop rap. They had a DJ in their band and then obviously rock with even screaming in it like merged both of those perfectly and you can't tell me that that album is not amazing I, I literally don't know if those words can come out of a human's mouth and so if you believe that and the words can come out of your mouth hats off to you but i disagree fully i love that album it's a great debut album and uh yeah that's my number two nate what's your number two so i'm going with the album cardinal by pine grove I have tried not many times, but a a couple times to get Andrew on the Pine Grove bandwagon. You know, some people just haven't met their spiritual awakening and yet. And so Andrew's like almost there. He's almost enlightened, but he's not quite enlightened yet. So Pine Grove's an incredible band. This album, as well as their next album, is this really unique combination of indie rock with kind of a country twang to it but not annoying country just like this really cool weird vibe and i just love cardinal it's such a weird album the type of stuff they do is really unconventional and just very unique and then their following album skylight was just as good if not better and i'm just so excited for pine grove's future they started out on the right foot with cardinal and they just kept going and i hope they can continue to kill it with each release and i'm gonna interject here real quick nate has a great story that he will not share on the podcast at least right now about a pine grove concert that he was at and just uh, just a fan interaction there and so please if you meet nate if you know nate you should ask him about that because it is it is really funny and maybe sometime we will actually review pine grove and nate can actually say that on the podcast there's rumors are coming out with an album this summer so we'll see there you go we might have to review that one hey andrew you're one So my number one album feels very obvious to me, and I had this mentally down before I searched anything else. It's the album Sigh No More by Mumford & Sons. This album literally started a wave of folk music in America specifically that like it hadn't really reached here yet. Not only did it make me fall in love with Mumford and Sons, it made America fall in love with them and the idea of folk music in general. And that album, I still think it's their best album, although they've had some incredible work since then that they've done. It's still their best album, and it's such a solid debut album, and I love it so much. So that is my number one. Nate, what's your number one debut album? Before I give you my number one, I'm giving you my Mumford and Sons album ranking. Number four, Delta. Number three, Babel. Number two, Sign No More. Number one, Wilder Mine. Ah, got him. Uh. Okay, uh, my number one is the album The Wilds by Henry Jameson. This is such a cool singer-songwriter album. It has this really cool blend of 
some really electronic production with a lot of cool little things spread throughout the whole album to create this really cool atmosphere. And then the songs themselves are just really well written. He has a great voice and old time feel with this new type of feel combined. Unfortunately, his newest album, Gloria Duplex, I forget if on my top three disappointing albums I had that on it. I probably did. It's just not good deviation for him. But anyways, The Wilds, amazing album. You should listen to it. Great summer album. So start listening to that. Andrew, before we continue, do you have your list of Mumford albums in your top of your head or no? That's tricky. I might sign no more as one, two... This is tricky. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Wilder Mind, too. Then I'm going to go Delta. Then I'm going to go Babel. I think Babel has some really great songs that rival any work that Mumford's done. Oh, definitely. But I do think it might have some of their weaker songs on it as well. And so I think as an album, I've been enjoying Delta a little bit more. So Yeah. Broken Crown is my favorite Mumford song. All right. Let's move. Yeah. Let us know your top debut albums tweet us let us know let us know if you agree with one of us more than the other if you've sold out as i have and like big box office numbers (laughs) then you'll like my list because all of mine were like huge albums nate's was actually what this podcast is about indie music and he found some really cool really cool debut albums by some lesser known people so check all of them out if you haven't heard them and let us know your top three debut albums Welcome to our album listening portion of this podcast. We are going to be talking about the album Good at Falling by the band The Japanese House, which you probably knew when you clicked on this episode because obviously we told <laughs> you Because you can about read. Because you can read. We, we really trust our listeners to be well-versed <laughs> in being able Literacy. to read. <laughs> exactly. But I'm really excited to get into this album. There's not much of an intro here for this. We'll be talking about all these songs song by song. If you haven't heard this album yet, feel free to check it out and listen to all those songs before we get into it. Or you could listen, you could be pausing or going back and forth song by song. We'll break it down song by song and give you opportunity to pause the podcast if you'd like to listen that way. So let's get into it. We're going to start with the first track. It's called Went to Meet Her. Nate, what are your thoughts on that track? So this song is really weird. And you're listening to the first half and you're like, what's going on? And then it transitions halfway through and kind of focuses you in. And it does it in this really beautiful way. And I just really like how unconventional it is. It's a really slow intro. It's clearly like an intro track, but it's also clearly really weird. And I just thought it was a great way to open up the album because it's kind of giving you a little bit of a clue that everything is going to be weird. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it does a good job of of introing the album in that way. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I felt the exact same way. In fact, I have written down right here, really weird way to start the album. <laughs> and so I agree. It is really weird. It's it's not standard. In fact, the first time I listened to this album, so I was introduced to Japanese House by my friend Tyler, who also introduced Lainey a couple episodes ago. And so he showed me some good music, so I trusted him. Listened to the Japanese House, their first few EPs, and really liked them. So listen to this album right away and when I started right off the top listening to it I didn't like the auto tune on her voice I just thought it wasn't great and I didn't love it but it's grown on me a lot and I think the song as an intro track has grown on me a whole lot that like it gives you a little bit of some vibe especially later in the song as to what the album's gonna be like so it does intro it really well but I think also helping you know that like there will be some unique stuff it's not just gonna be a standard pop or electronic album I I think it's a cool way to start into the album. I really love the drums in this track. The drums are so cool. And there's some really cool percussive work on this album in general. But I think the drums in general are my favorite part of this track. All right, let's get to track two. Track two is called Maybe You're the Reason. I keep looking for something, even though I know that it's not there. Nate, what did you think about the song Maybe You're the Reason? So my first time listening straight through to the album, this was one of the few songs that really just grabbed me right away and was an instant, oh, I really like this track. I think her vocals are really creative, unpredictable, all over the place, but the instrumental here is really solid and the chorus is just unbelievably catchy. The lyrics are basically about how Amber, who's, this is a solo project essentially, and Amber is apathetic and she's just not feeling anything and she's believing that there's no point to life. And she basically inserts in the midst of this hopelessness, maybe you're the reason, talking about her partner just being like, hey, if there is some hope or is some something to live for, it might be you. And so the song is simultaneously really dark lyrically, but also there's that potential light and that hope. And the song itself is very bright and poppy and kind of contrasting in that way. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So I've never actually had a feeling like I just did. When you were introing your thoughts on this album, I felt like my entire being was like waiting for you to like give your thought because I was so scared that you weren't going to like the song. I like for some reason uh, was just so scared that like you would trash it and I would have to be like, oh no, but I think this is like a masterpiece. I uh, love this song so much. And I'm so glad that you like it too and i think it is the one that grabs you the most right away i would be surprised i think if someone didn't like it but for some reason i got really nervous that you wouldn't like it right then. <laughs> so i mean we don't talk about our thoughts on this album at all like we really try to go into this like not having talked about anything not giving anything away and so again got super nervous but very glad that you liked it but I love the song so much. I think the chord progression, uh, I'm going to make a pretty bold statement. I think the chord progression and kind of that guitar work might be my favorite chord progression of all time. I'm like dead serious. It <laughs> is so, so good. And even when it's like 
not playing that chord progression, the song is still a banger. It's super good. Nate already touched on the lyrics, so I don't have to touch on that. But I do really like that there's an instrumental later in the song that's a little bit more dark, and then it obviously goes a little lighter. The other progressions and everything through the song are very light. So I do think it contrasts the feelings and emotions that Amber's going through really well in the song and i honestly feel like this this is just it's an excellent track i love it so much so that's my thoughts all right we're gonna move on to the next track track three is called we talk all the time we don't touch anymore we talk all the time so it's fun Nate, what are your thoughts on We Talk All The Time? So I think lyrically, to start off, the main thrust of the song is found in the line, somebody tell me what I want. As Amber seems to be confused about what she wants in a relationship. But this song, instrumentally, the first time listening through, it was probably my least favorite song. And even now, it's still my least favorite song. But that being said, I've really grown to like it over that time. And I think initially, it just felt very flat to me. But there are so many cool little production elements that make the song very interesting. And I really like what she does in the verses vocally and how she glides through the song and that way but yeah those are my thoughts what are your thoughts andrew i think this is the grooviest song in the album just kind of the pockets that the drums and bass find in this song there's a lot of different pockets and 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 just just groove really really strong rhythm section for the song specifically i think there's a lot of that throughout the album but i do think that that's probably what the song does best it's obviously the one song that drops the f-bomb on the album as well but i feel like she uses that obviously really well in the song and i I think it works really well with the thoughts and emotions that she's going through in the song and i think it's i think it's a really solid track all right we're gonna move on to track four track four is called wild Nate, what are your thoughts on Wild? So I think the song is so beautiful. I think lyrically, it's basically about how Amber would go bananas and in retrospect, feel regret about going bananas and want to distance herself from that wild and destructive person. But I think the song is a great example of creating a vibe that's still upheld by a well-written song and just lyrically having really healthy introspection about being an unhealthy person. And I think we can all learn uh, from taking that type of view. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So the first thing that sticks out to me with this is just how it flows from track three to track four really well. She utilizes that quite a few times on the album that it just flows seamlessly from one song to the next. And this is the first example of that seamless transition from track to track. And I love how it flows right into that song. I think what impresses me the most about this song is the use of all the small instruments in it. There's a lot of really small, whether it be synths or 
or percussive parts or just things that are mixed in there and they might pan from side to side or just show up for a quick second just in the background. There's actually a lot of parts. I wouldn't be surprised if this song has like twice as many tracks as a normal song would just to fit all of those weird intricate parts but I feel like it works together really well it fits obviously this feel of like being wild and they're almost being like a craziness to those sound effects but still everything's put together which I think is the general idea that she's like trying to kind of limit that wildness that craziness and, and put it all together so I think everything works together in the song um, especially from from a production standpoint this song is really really solid all right, we're going to move on to track five. Track five is called You Seemed So Happy. To anybody but oh, you so happy. To everybody you these don't to like you. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on the song You Seemed So Happy? So this was another one of the songs first time through that I just loved right out of the gate. This song lyrically is about concealing any feelings of depression or fear by having this appearance of happiness. And the song is like very upbeat, very positive vibe, really catchy, so bright. And the song itself, kind of similar to Maybe You're the Reason, is an example of having a really happy exterior, but a dark and sad internal substance. And so it's just, there's a lot of depth to this song, despite it's just dreamy, poppy vibes that it gives off. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So this song, I think, does continue that feeling in the lyrics of kind of this happy exterior, but just more complex emotions and sadness happening on the inside. I think I really appreciate the honesty of the lyrics in this song, and they're not overly poetic. They're more just kind of life in general, just things speaking about her own life and, and situations that she's been in. But I think she does that in a really well, she, she weaves some really cool lyrics in the song, so I really appreciate that. One of my favorite parts is when they're going into the bridge, they kind of break down to just the instruments for a bit. And there's like a weird kind of off time synth that the the timing just changes a little bit there. And I really love the feel of that synth. Each time it goes into it, I just smile. It's really cool. I really like the song. All right, let's move on to track six. Track six is called Follow My Girl. Nate, what are your thoughts on Follow My Girl? So this song has definitely grown on me a lot. Lyrically, the chorus is, Watching my world make funny faces at its own reflection. Nothing feels good. It's not right. So I'll follow my girl till I find myself a sense of direction. Nothing feels good. It's not right. And the lyrics feel like they carry a very similar theme to Maybe You're the Reason, where she feels hopeless and like there's nothing good in life and she's pursuing this relationship with this person hoping that in the meantime she can make sense of everything and find the path she wants to take and i think 
a lot of pop songs that deal with relationships. For instance, like we talked in Spammer Jam about If I Can't Have You by Shawn Mendes. They have such a confidence that the person they're with are absolutely everything to them, the only important thing in their life. And they almost make these people like godlike figures. And I like how Amber, though she might eventually come to that same conclusion with maybe you're the reason. It's like, oh, you are the reason. But at least she approaches the conversation with trepidation and she's really trying to be thoughtful about this and truly trying to figure out life with a sense of humility that she doesn't have all the answers. And that's scary, but it's also courageous to kind of approach things like that. And so I really appreciate her take on that. And I think Pop needs that, definitely, for sure. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this track? So, once again, the synths throughout the song are really fantastic and mix super well. I feel like the strength of this album is just the use of instruments in a cool and unique way and a lot of really cool synth parts, a lot of really good mixing, along with just some really good melodies. And I think that's my favorite part of this song. I think the melody in the song, I love it so much. She pushes her voice in some really cool and unique ways in this song that she hadn't quite up to this point. And she has a great voice. So it's really cool to hear her kind of create melodies and sections of the song that really showcase what she does best. And I feel like that's her musicianship and that's her voice and melody along with some really good lyrics that are very honest and kind of continue a lot of this same same feeling. All right, we're going to move on to track seven. Track seven is called Something Far Too Good to Feel. In Nate, what are your thoughts on track seven? So I just heard the way you pronounce that and was like, oh, you know, that's probably it. I've been pronouncing it something fart who good to feel. And it just like I just like was kind of confused and just trying to like figure out like how that related with the lyrics and like whatever. But now that you said that, I think your pronunciation is the correct pronunciation <laughs> of this. So. I love this song from the acoustic in the verses to the transition in the chorus where everything just comes rushing in. I also love her vocals right before that instrumental chorus. Or I think that those vocals might be a part of the chorus. I don't know. But anyways, I just love those vocals. And then lyrically, uh, she still writes in a similar manner that she does throughout the rest of the album. But I find these lyrics to be a little bit more vague and poetic, which I really like for this song. I like how it's a little more open-ended and I don't know. I just really like this song so andrew what are your thoughts so i think so far this is the biggest change of pace on the album it uses a lot of instruments that had not previously been used and although each song leading up to this had changed itself up and was not repetitive at all i really like the use of strings and slide guitar and acoustic guitar and just all of those things put together with this song I think the strings are my favorite part of this song. They're just, they're beautiful and they're kind of this really nice, smooth feel with the song. And I really like it. 
one thing to point out, as you kind of did with the titles of the tracks, or specifically this track, if you look at the titles of the tracks on the album, they are unique. She does some different things. Sometimes it just looks standard. It's like everything I've seen. But whether it's dropping out capitals that would usually be there, whether it's making it all one big word, whatever it is, the, the titles on the album are unique. And I appreciate that, that it's not it doesn't look as standard as expected, which means my document right now just keeps yelling at all the spell check mistakes <laughs> that it thinks uh, there should be from this album. But I just appreciate that as kind of a, a feel and a vibe. And I don't know 100% the thought behind it, if it's just pure aesthetics or if it's just something that she she likes to do. But I appreciate it. It's It's unique and it does stand out to me. And so... Props to Amber on on just changing it up a little bit. That's cool. You know what's hilarious is I so I do my write my write ups on my notes, and the only song title that's underlined is Lilo, the, the <laughs> next track, and I'm pretty sure that's like a real word. Yes, it is. Everything everything else is not underlined for spell check <laughs> at all, which is so weird. <laughs> So maybe your your computer's dictionary for for your notes is a lot uh, more high tech, or just understands what Amber's really trying to get at than mine. Oh, definitely. But Microsoft Word is confused <laughs> out of its mind. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to track eight. Track eight is called Lilo. Nate, what are your thoughts on Lilo? So I think Amber really carries a song vocally. I really like the ambient vibes from the instrumentals, but even going that route by doing that, you're kind of putting your voice in the limelight and putting your voice in a prominent position and making it do the work to make it a great song. The bridge is really weird. There's a lot of stuff going on from the different vocal patches being thrown in, as well as all these tiny little instrumental elements. And it feels very empty and weird. And I just like how unique it is. And then it transitions right back into the last chorus while keeping a lot of those unique parts that were in the bridge. I just thought that was really cool. I'm not going to go into any of the lyrics uh, specifically, but overall, the lyrics are very positive, peaceful, and hopeful, which is not something you find here on the album a lot. So if you're listening to this album and you want something to kind of make you feel better, I would listen to this track. <laughs> All right, Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so Amber actually, in some ways, from what I was looking at, it looks like she almost considers this the title track in the sense that she she mentions that the thoughts and the lyrics of this this song are just the fact it's basically falling in love with someone, and her poetic way of thinking about that is basically this this lilo, this inflatable mattress floating on water, and and just kind of what her love is. And she says that she's good at falling in love. And so that's that's actually the title, obviously, of the album, Good at Falling. And, and so it just kind of, the song does fit, I think, what she was going at, which is talking a lot about 
love and just kind of her own personal journey with that, that she's good at falling in love, but sometimes it doesn't always work out. And that's where some of the, the depression or sadness or other thoughts and emotions from the album come in as well. I agree. You kind of nailed it. How the sections go one from the other is really, really good. I think the melody is really solid. I think just how everything's connected, the verses, the chorus, and the bridge, they're all unique in their own sense, and they don't sound like they should work together almost, but they work really well together, and I really appreciate that. All right, let's move on to track nine. Track nine is called Everybody Hates Me. What do you think about Everybody Hates Me? So usually I take the research I do on the lyrics and kind of paraphrase things or just relay them in a different way. But I just wanted to straight up copy and paste uh, what I found her say about the song from online. And she says, the song is about me really hung over for two to three years, every day waking up with that feeling of everyone hates me and I've ruined my life. Looking back at that time, I thought almost jokingly, it's a hangover anthem. Now it's really sad for me to look back knowing I spent so much time hating myself because I could not stop drinking. I felt alone for that entire period of time. I stopped drinking for a while after I wrote that song. I need to stop drinking again. And I just think from a lyrical or thematic standpoint, there's a lot in there. But I think what I most took out of her explanation was just like how we're able to articulate our weaknesses or our unhealthy habits or the things we don't like about ourselves. And a lot of the times we can use that as ammunition to change. But a lot of the times we relapse into those same bad habits. And I just think, I don't know, it's just like a very relatable and just like tough lyrical song from that aspect. But Instrumentally, uh, with the production and specifically the vocal effects, I just think this is a really cool and atmospheric track. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So obviously with the lyrics and what you were pointing out, it is a very sad song on the album. Very sad, just that idea of everybody hates me. But I think what's really cool is just kind of being that vulnerable to share from that season of her life just those thoughts and emotions that she would have been struggling with at that point. I really appreciate that. I think my favorite part is that there's this like flanger part that's kind of like a, a synth or just something that follows her voice as she's singing that part. Everybody hates me. That's just really cool and creates a really cool vibe to the song and kind of this cool textural element that stands out as one of my favorite elements added in the entire album i love it so much it's really really good the synths in it do remind me of stranger things and i think it's just because it's kind of this like nice and tight like low mid rangy synth and i think it's really cool so i think some of the textural elements are awesome and fit kind of those a little darker feel to the to the song in general 
All right, let's move on to track 10. Track 10 is called Marika is Sleeping. Nate, what are your thoughts on track 10? So there's no chorus in this song. It's just three verses, or I guess you could say there's no verses in the song. It's just three choruses. I don't know. However you want to phrase it or look at it, it's a cool song from a structure standpoint. I just love the transition from the first portion of the song to the electric guitar, where she still keeps aspects of the strings from the first portion. I have written down, ugh. This song is so cool. <laughs> and it's just like, when I'm listening to it, like, that's just how I feel. I'm like, oh, man, this is so sick. It's just like such a cool song. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, you stole the word, so I'm not going to add too much. I think that change is the coolest thing. I think it's cool because it's also reminiscent of the words that the words she says are basically that she's always changing, calibrating. And so this idea of like always changing where the track starts one way and you kind of feel like you know what it is. And then it goes to something completely different and then obviously comes back to some of those same elements from the beginning. Before I was really focused on tracks and how many tracks there were and what basically the start and end to this song was, I legitimately thought as I was listening through that there was an instrumental in the song and by the instrumental I thought it was the first half of this song actually I really thought it was a completely separate track that they had that this song basically was two songs in it um, just from listening through to the album without paying attention to anything and so I think it's really cool that you can change a song that much and kind of fool someone into thinking it's something completely different but it all is under the same scope of the same song and I love it. I think the strings and the harp sounds are some of the most beautiful textural elements on the entire album. And I really appreciate the song and kind of just, again, changing pace for it. It is the 10th song, which a lot of albums might end around this time. And she keeps reinventing herself a little bit more and adding some different cool elements to it. And I appreciate all the all the changes throughout the album. All right, let's move on to track number 11. Track number 11 is called Worms. What are your thoughts on track number 11? This is easily one of my favorite songs on the album. I love, love, love the instrumentals on here. And she does such a great job vocally of guiding through the song in such an interesting and exciting way. The main line to me is there's so much pressure not to be alone, or at least that was the most interesting line to me. And I do think in our 
society, we put so much of a focus on relationships, not friendships, not familial relationships, but like sexual relationships or however you want to phrase that. Like, I'm not trying to oversexify it, but I don't think sexify is a word, but it is now. And we'd find so much value in other people and who they make us. And I don't think that's always healthy. And I know this is very hypocritical coming from a married man. And if Andrew has the same opinion, then from two married men. But I think we were created or made or however you want to phrase it to be in relationship. But I don't think that's exclusive to those type of relationships. And I think we miss out a lot on healthier relationships that could be family or friends or whatever, because we spend so much time focused on finding this person to complete us, a singular person to fulfill us. And I don't think that's always healthy. So I thought she had a really good perspective here. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think some things to add to the song. So this song and the next song and some other ones on the album were kind of worked on with the band, the 1975. They're good friends with Amber and seem to have helped, especially their drummer. Uh, she's done a lot of work with him in the writing and production elements of the album. And I appreciate kind of the difference that they can bring in their approach to music because it's maybe a little bit more guitar driven and a little less electronic but this song mixes all of that together really well and i think my favorite part is the timing in the verses it's so freaking weird it's so cool there's like it feels like there's like three different time signatures happening at the same time and i think it's really cool and it's subtle enough that like i didn't notice it the first couple times i was just focused on whether it was the melody or something else that I was focused on. But when I was actually listening to it really intently, I was like, wow, they have a lot of elements right here working together that like you wouldn't think would work together. And so I appreciate the thinking outside the box, trying new things, and just what they would have brought to what Amber's already created. And I don't know who to give credit for, for everything, but it is a really cool track. It's one of my favorites as well. All right, let's move on to track number 12. Track number 12 is called Far Away. She makes me Nate, what are your thoughts on Far Away? So I love how she can't do anything not weird. Uh, so with the chorus, I was listening to it and it's like, oh, this feels like such a great like soundtrack love song. And then right after the chorus, it transitions into this like wicked, unique, weird portion or no, it's not the portion is weird but the way it transitions is so weird and i'm like oh this wouldn't fit in a movie but it's like the thing is like most of her songs like don't fit in the way you normally see things or listen to things and that's like so cool and it's weird i i've been thinking about this theme from the lyrics recently independently of the song and so when i actually like look deep into the lyrics i was like oh wow i've kind of felt this way recently too and 
I was thinking, I remember like walking into the library and I was thinking, I only have like X amount of years or days or seconds to live. And how I spend each second, I can't get that time back. And I was just thinking how important it is to invest in the ones that I love and take advantage of the time I have. And so I feel you, Amber. I get, I get, I get where you're going with this. So yeah. Andrew, what are your thoughts? So this is obviously another track that's produced by the 1975, and even Matt Healy even sings on it a bit, and so you'll hear his voice, which is really cool. It adds a different element once again, even in track 12, to having a male voice in there as well, but a little bit more subtle to it. It's not like he takes over the song by singing on it, but it adds a really cool element. I do think that this might be my favorite chorus on the album. I love the chorus, just the chord structure and the melody. Everything is put together beautifully and perfectly. It's really spacey and kind of dreamy as well. Just, Just this overall feel of the song. And I think of all the songs on the album, this is the one that's probably grown on me the most since first listen that I didn't really pay attention to tracks, especially this late in the album. I didn't pay attention as as possible favorites, but it's a really, really strong track. And I love, again, that chorus especially. And once again, just getting back to kind of what she does as far as her song titles, I do really appreciate that Far Away Each letter is spaced out, so each just letter is a little bit more far away than than normal. It just fits the overall track, the feel of the track, and obviously the word far away as well. So I just, I appreciate that. It's a small thing. All right, let's move on to the final track on the album. Track 13 is called I Saw You in a Dream. Right, Nate, what did you think about the final track? So this song lyrically is about a friend of Amber's who passed away. And I read as she was having a little commentary on the song that she describes how it's both therapeutic and torturous to sing every night because on one hand, she's reminded of her friend and that brings a lot of great memories back. And on another hand, she's she's reminded how her friend's gone. And musically, this is just one of the most straightforward tracks on the album, and it's really peaceful and calm. And it's just so simple and simultaneously captivating, and it lets you drift away with the song, and it's like this way to leave the album kind of slowly drifting away. I think it's a really cool way to end it. It's not that like I yearned for her to do something not weird because I mean, I love the weird stuff she does, but I can't think I, I can overstate just how like the unique thing on this album is the one track that's like not really unique. And that actually makes it stand out, which is like really cool. So anyways, Andrew, what are your thoughts? So a little bit of history with this song in general, if it sounds familiar and you've listened to Japanese House before, this is actually an acoustic and stripped down version of a song that she released on an EP. So the song was previously titled Just Saw You in a Dream, and it's from her 2017 EP by that same name, Saw You in a Dream, and it's a lot more like the rest of the album, uh, a little bit more electronic, even a little bit more fun. And I really, really love this approach to this 
track and how it changes itself up. I liked the track when it was on the EP, but honestly, now that I've heard this version of it, I don't like the original as much because I feel like this is so much just how beautiful it is and reflective everything sounds and that she is reminiscing about losing a friend. I feel like this is a better representation of the lyrics and what she's going through. And I do think it is interesting that what stands out about the song is how maybe straightforward it is. We did talk about S. Carey's album. It was the first album that we ever talked about. And there's so many elements and things in this song that just remind me of an S. Carey kind of track. Just maybe that it's more stripped back. And there's swelling guitars and slide guitars and just everything put together. It does remind me of something that S. Carey would do. However, it's still extremely amber and the elements that she's already added that it doesn't stand out as like something that doesn't fit on this album. It just stands out as obviously less electronic, less weird or pushing the envelope and just being okay with having something that's just got a really cool feel and a little easier to understand what's happening right away and there's not so many maybe hidden textures or elements in the track. I think it caps the album really, really well that you can end feeling reflective, feeling happy. I think it also sums up some of the thoughts on the album in general of just just reflecting and remembering. And yeah, I, I think it's a really great end. All right, we're going to move on to our next section, which is our album summary and ratings. So we're going to both just give a quick summary of this album, just maybe a couple sentences or something like that, just our overall overarching thoughts on the entire album. And then we're going to go into our ratings section, and we're going to start rating each element of this album. All right, Nate, what is your album summary? So this one really had to grow on me, but I'm glad I gave it the time to do that. So listening through the first time, to be honest, the only two songs I really liked were Maybe You're the Reason and You Seem So Happy, the most like poppy and like bright songs. Not that I'm that way usually, but anyways, I just like didn't really love it. It was too weird for me. And I was just kind of nervous going into this episode with Andrew because I know he I knew he liked Japanese house I didn't know how much and I had never really gotten into them because I'm not really big into EPs and she released something like four EPs there's I don't know before releasing this album and so knowing about her and never listening to her initially made it even feel like I didn't like her and then listening and not really liking it I was just really nervous and to be honest yesterday the album clicked with me and made sense i don't know why but all of a sudden it just like i got it and i like loved it and so i had to listen to it like a ton of times because i had to like change a lot of my thoughts on the album and i just really like it and i think this is a good example of like when a band gives you one or two songs that you love and you don't like the rest, like don't give up. Like there's a reason why you like those songs and like just give it a chance. So I'm not saying you'll love it, but you might end up hating the album anyways. But for me, it worked with this album. Sorry for rambling, but those are my thoughts. OK, Andrew. So it's interesting you bring that up because I had a very similar experience actually for Pedro the Lion that I just... Yeah, it took me an extra second. I knew you really liked it, and I was like, I'll give it a shot, but I ended up loving it the more I dove into it. I think there is such 
Like when you write really good music and when you are intentional about writing something different and not just rehashing what someone's heard, sometimes it takes an extra step to get into an album because it's not the songs that you listen to right away that you go, oh, it, it's great and I love it right away. Those aren't the songs that stick with you. It's the songs that that you go, man, like I this song, I didn't know it was so good. Like It snuck up on me. Maybe it's a song you skip because you thought it was bad, but then you realize maybe you understood the lyrics more or just your music taste changed or something like that, that, that it stands out. And those are the the albums and the songs that mean the most. And I think this this album in general is so much deeper than just a standard pop or electronic album. Um, there's a lot of synths. There's a lot of, of vibe on this album, but it's a lot deeper than that. It goes deeper than just the, the musicality, as good as it is. It does dive into some deep emotions and talks a lot about love and inner conflict and perception, whether it's self-perception or the perception that you want people to have of you, and just some really real emotions on the album without getting super tied up on just focusing all the energy and the strength and the cool stuff into into lyrics. There's some great melodies on the album, and there's some really cool, again, just textural elements that, that maybe using just some strings very occasionally or... Uh, slide guitar here and there or synths or guitar whether it be acoustic or electric just all the different elements working together I feel like this album utilizes production and instrumentation to a very full capacity that it feels like a full album and there's not really anything missing that you listen and you go I wish they would have done that and that it feels like by the time you're done listening to the album you feel like you've had a full musical experience which I think is what I've gotten out of Japanese house before but I would have said that I liked Japanese house before this album and now I would say I love Japanese House that just this album to me is so well thought through and so well produced and I think it's it's really quite a great first debut album like we were talking about debut albums this would be considered that for Japanese House so so definitely check that out all right we're going to move into our ratings section we're going to talk about five different elements of this album, and we're going to rate them 1 to 10. Both Nate and I will rate them separately. Then we will combine our score to give you our long-distance listening total score for our podcast. And then you can tweet us your scores and your thoughts as far as our ratings go. So the five different elements we're going to be talking about are instrumentation, vocals, lyrics, journey, the flow, consistency, and length of the album, that's the journey. And then the package, which consists of production or album artwork or kind of both of them together. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on instrumentation? What did you give that? So I gave instrumentation a 9 out of 10. I mean, I just think she does a great job mixing things up, obviously, and keeping you on your toes. And there's so many interesting instruments and elements. So I think it's great. What about you, Andrew? 
I give that a 9.5. I think the instrumentation is extremely strong. Like I've already stated, the utilization of a wide range of instruments, but kind of just one focus, and it doesn't feel like each song feels like a different band. It all feels like Japanese house, but it utilizes a lot of instruments in a really cool way, even very subtle ways that they use instruments. I feel like it was a very well thought out part of the album. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on vocals? So vocals, I gave nine as well. I don't think her voice is anything extremely special. She does stay in that lower range a lot, which I actually think is really cool because a lot of female vocalists, I think, are in that usually higher range. But she can go to that higher range when she wants to. And I think she mixes up her melodies really nicely and just does a great job of as unique as the music is, she also tries to create these really unique melodies. And I just think she does a great job vocally. What are your thoughts? For vocals, I gave that a nine. I think that her vocals are amazing. It fits exactly what she needs it to at all times, whether she's using her falsetto or even just a lower range like she does in Everybody Hates Me that she uses maybe a lower range than in some of the other songs. She uses a wide range of vocals that fit both the emotions that she's going for and also the musical portions of the song that she needs. And she has a great voice, one of the better indie female voices in my personal opinion. So I really love it. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on lyrics? So lyrics, I gave a nine as well. I just love her vulnerability. I think she's, for the most part, pretty autobiographical and just says things up front. But as I said earlier in the podcast, she also does be poetic when she wants to be. And I think she does a great job of adding a refreshing honesty to pop. What are your thoughts, Andrew? So for lyrics, I also gave it a nine. I think she used a couple different approaches to lyrics on the album, which I appreciate. She has some poetic nature in there some of it she's literally talking about places and people that she's been through so it's just basically like a biography like you were saying it's biographical in that sense as well and it feels like it's easy enough to understand without it feeling like lyrics that you've heard before but you can get these thoughts and emotions really well she doesn't try to be so weird with her lyrics that they're not understandable and relatable but also again she's not so standard with them that you just feel like she's rehashing the same lyrics they're very intentional lyrics as well all right nate what are your thoughts on the journey the flow consistency and length of the album so i gave the journey a nine you talked about how the tracks transition well between each other and i'm totally with you on that 13 songs is a lot of songs, but actually the album's only 45 minutes. She doesn't have a single song over five minutes, and I think she only has three over four minutes. And so even though there's 13 tracks, they're, for the most part, pretty concise tracks. And the fact that she does all these weird stuff, which usually the weirder the album, the longer the songs are. The fact that she does that in such a concise way is just really impressive. And I think from start to finish, there's no bad tracks, that's for sure. And when you're listening through, there's never a portion of the album where you're like, ah, this is probably the weak portion of the album. Like the whole thing is just consistent and solid all the way through. So that's why I gave it a nine. What are your thoughts, Andrew? I'm right with you. I gave it a nine as well for the exact same thoughts that you have. 
the album is not too long. If anything, I'm like, keep adding more because the tracks were shorter. They're they're not extremely long tracks or anything like that. Usually, I feel like when someone gets experimental, there's like a random eight to ten minute long <laughs> yeah. track in there, but there's not, and so that frees things up on the album for her to to experiment with still being able to have a bunch of tracks you're right there are no no bad songs and i don't even think there's any weak songs that like if i was her producer and i had to for some reason get her down to like even 12 songs i legitimately don't know which song i would possibly part with that they're all extremely strong tracks and that's just a sign that the album is the perfect length if if you haven't gone too long and there's no tracks that you go i could do without that one or it doesn't fit the album or the feel it's the perfect length and each song adds a new layer to it and is almost crucial to the album and again like i'd said the later in the album that it got i kept expecting it to kind of go downhill a little bit but if anything it kept getting better and better because of the layers that it would add and songs like worms or far away like that chorus there just elements or total parts of the song that just keep getting better and better all right let's move on to the last rating we're going to rate the package that's the production and the album artwork nate what did you give that so i gave that a nine as well the production on this is phenomenal. I probably could have gave it a higher rating. But I'm just going to stick with a 9 and be uh, very pattern-based because I've given everything a 9 before this. I mean, the production is potentially the album's strongest quality. And I mean, after all the stuff we've said about the instrumentation, the vocals, the lyrics, everything, to say that, oh, just wait, the production's even potentially better. I mean, that's just crazy. I think the album artwork, I mean, we try not to really take the album artwork into consideration, but we have it listed so we can just talk about it if we want to. I think it's really cool album artwork. I like how it's cut off and they use the like wide landscape photo. I just think it's great album artwork. It really helps paint a picture for you. And that sense of loneliness, because there's that like one person there. I don't know if it's her or not. But yeah, just the production's phenomenal. There's so many cool little things. What are your thoughts? It's funny. We both feel like we could go up from there. So I'm at a 9.5. I'm just barely over you, but I could see giving it a 10 out of 10. The production is that strong that like even if the album artwork was terrible, I would probably still give it a 9.5 just with how good the production is. And I do really like the album artwork. I think it's really solid, fits the album really well. I think I hadn't even thought about the element of kind of talking about loneliness or or anything like that, but I think you're dead on. I, I think that definitely could be part of that. And again, production is such a strong part of this album, and I think that's the only way that you're able to experiment without it feeling like it's such a weird like album that I I end the album and I don't think about how weird it is I just think how good it is and I think that has to do with how it's produced and all the elements of the album working together so well that there's some really weird elements but somehow it all just works together really well and so I give that a 9.5 all right, so we have our total ratings here. Nate gave the album a 45 out of 50, and I gave it a 46 out of 50. So we're right right in sync with each other. That does total a 91, 
which then we change that to out of 10. So that's going to be a 9.1 out of 10. That is one of our highest ratings for the podcast. And so I, I think obviously that speaks to how good this album is. Check it out if you haven't. If you haven't heard the whole album yet, please listen to that. It's a great album. Support the Japanese house. Go to a show. Buy the album, buy the vinyl, whatever it is that you can do to support good indie music. That's what we're all about on this podcast. Just just trying to help you guys find good music and support people making good music. So welcome to Encore. This is where we give our final thoughts, or actually one last thought, and it can be about anything. It can be about music. It could be about not music. Literally anything. This is just for freedom and for randomness sake. So, Andrew, what's your final thought? So I just have a story to share. So I was at my psychiatrist, and we were talking, and the more I was talking, he goes dude, you're just crazy. And I was like, that's a little rude. And he's like, that's my professional opinion. And I said, well, then I want a second opinion. And he said, okay, you're kind of ugly too. <laughs> uh, so that that's my story. So if you know a good psychiatrist out there, I need a new one. Okay, I have a real story. Are you ready for a real story? Yeah, I'm ready for a real one. So I'm house-sitting right now at a church family's, and they have this really old dog. And the last time my wife and I house-sat, the dog actually had a couple seizures, and it was, like, very scary. And, like, we took him to the emergency vet and everything late at night. And so, like, they've made it clear to us, like, look, if the dog dies like don't worry about it we're not gonna be mad at you it's totally okay they even like gave us permission like if we went to the vet with the dog to like make the call on whether to like keep it alive or not anyways it's like kind of crazy and so i was telling our church secretary about this in the office and she goes i have a story for you i go okay so there's this church member who was house sitting at in a similar situation where there's a very old dog and the dog did die like when he was there and he was like oh no what am i gonna do and he realized like he had to take it to the vet for them to like get rid of it and so he didn't have a car at the time and so he was like i have no idea how i'm gonna get this dog to the vet i think he rode his bike to the house or whatever and so he put the dog in a suitcase and he took it on the bus and so he's on the bus and he gets to the vet and he's looking for his bag and somebody stole his luggage when he wasn't looking <laughs> and got off the bus before him. <laughs> That's insane. And oh, I just want to see that person's face uh-huh. when they open up the luggage. <laughs> They probably, I can imagine as they're taking it, they're like, oh, this is pretty heavy. Yeah. Like, there's something good's in here. Yeah. And then they found a dead dog. But not only that, I was thinking, so in our minds, like, we're, like, imagining, like, being in the bad guy's shoes or the person who took it. I imagine, though, the bad guy trying to put himself in the shoes of the guy who had a dead dog <laughs> in <the> suitcase. <laughs> 
that's even like, funnier maybe i know i can't imagine like what he was thinking <laughs> but anyways we digress well you can follow us on our socials i don't know i'm supposed to do this all right i don't know how to recover from from that but you can follow us on all of our socials we have twitter our Twitter is LDLPod, so check us out there. That's where we have all of our Spammer Jam or Top 3, just all the communication that we have through our podcast that you can vote and let us know whether it's Spammer Jam or let us know your Top 3, your thoughts on this album, your album rating, all of that. That all goes through our Twitter. Also, you can find our Instagram. We're also there at LDL Pod. So make sure that you check that out. We also have an email for you old folks out there or young folks with old people technology. Uh, we'd love for you to email us. We don't get that many emails. And so we're really making a push to just like flood our Gmail account with with your email. So email us at listening at gmail.com. We would love to see your emails. Give us your full write-up on, on what you think about our episode. Give us your thoughts and criticisms and just anything else you have. You can send that to our email and we'd love to read it. Also, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. We do this podcast for free because we love it and we love talking about music. And we have no sponsors because we have tried to not have sponsors for your sake. And also, we have not tried to get sponsors. But that's that's besides... <laughs> and nobody wants us to sponsor their stuff. <laughs> yeah, but like, like that's besides the point. Don't worry about that. But again, for your sake, you didn't have to listen through us plugging anything besides Valley Heart today. We did actually plug. Yeah. <laughs> but but they didn't pay us to do it. No one pays us to do anything. We are as broke as can be. But the best way of helping us be still the same amount of broke but be happier about it is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. That really does help us a whole lot. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate that. Thanks for all of your support and your help. Also, check out the music that is used through the episode. The music is made by our good friend Josh Leininger. He makes some awesome instrumental music, and we've been enjoying using his stuff for the podcast. He's let us use it because he's dope, but also buy his stuff, support him. He's really, really good. He's got a bunch of different projects. He works on solo projects, stuff with other people. So check that out. Josh Leininger, he is awesome. And you can find his music on iTunes, Spotify, all the places you find music. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Next podcast, we will be reviewing the album Panorama by the band La Dispute. I am righteously indignant.